Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. everyone. I'm very excited that you've chosen to join us today. And I don't know about you, but, but I deeply appreciate a straight shooter. You know, uh, no mamby-pamby, no double meanings, no innuendo, just say it like it is. See, I'm not, I'm not very good at, at reading people's minds. Never was, and likely never will be. So if you want me to follow and you want me to get along with, with you, then, then please, I ask you, speak plainly. Now, truth be told, I'll admit that I'm not the best at being plain or shooting from the hip myself. I have to, I have to practice that often. My wife is always telling me that I need to speak more, that I need to share more of my, my innerness and include her in more of what I'm processing. And she's right. As a flaming introvert, I constantly find myself in my own world and thinking that I had in fact said something aloud when the truth is that I'd only dreamt of saying it. But this is a large part of the reason why I love her. She shoots straight, she's clear, and I rarely have to scratch my head and wonder what she's really trying to say to me. Our text today is James chapter 1, verse 22 to 27. And what I love about this author is that he doesn't take the long way around to get to his point. He fires hot and hard and straight as an arrow. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, for goodness sake. That's the Shane Weeb translation. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I've been a pastor for over 20 years and I've served the church in a number of different roles. When I was a rebellious youth pastor a number of years ago, I got my first tattoo. Back then it was also pretty cool to have bleach blonde tips which gave me a kind of Dennis Rodman leopard-like look when you stared at my skull from a balcony. And so there you had it. Bleach tips, a tattoo, and a Bible. Watch out. Today I have three tattoos now, and yes, they are somewhat addictive. But I have to admit that that first one was special. I thought long and hard about what I was going to wear on my shoulder until my dying breath. I read books 
perused magazines, scoured the internet, and realized that I had become deeply entranced and inspired by a picture or a metaphor of the church offered to us by Erwin, Erwin McManus. He likens the church to a crash of rhinos. That's right, a crash of rhinos. A crash of rhinos is like saying a flock of seagulls or a pride of lions. Back then, the image of a, of a mobilized pack or a group or a crash of rhinos embodied my love and belief in the church, a belief in a kind of religion that not only had impact, but a way of orienting one's life around generosity, compassion, and hope. See, when a, when a crash of rhinos gets moving and heads in a certain direction together, not only do others notice and marvel, but they make way or they come along and they join board. James here, in plain, direct fashion, is telling us what the church's mission is. He's saying, people, look after orphans and widows and keep yourself from destructive distraction. James knows that destructive forms of distraction, this soul pollution, or better yet, this corporate or community-type soul pollution, will only lessen impact, will only slow down the crash and make it less fierce, less powerful, less united, and less like the way of Jesus. Oftentimes, we automatically assume that this, this pollution that James speaks of is synonymous with our personal sin. And you know, the moments, you know, you know, the moments that, we, that we lie or lust or rage, and I'm sure that there's a lot of truth to this, but, but realize that James is speaking to a group of people here. And I think that one of the biggest forms of com community-type sins or forms of pollution is when a group stands idle in the face of a blatant emergency. When a group does nothing, when, to use James's image, orphans and widows suffer or starve or get pushed aside. When a group hears what they need to do and chooses to do nothing because it's not convenient or doesn't fit into their five-year plan. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus uses the metaphor of the way. Interesting that he actually calls himself the way. And what defines this way is a kind of selfless othering, a kind of mattering or attributing value that offers worth and significance and wholeness and healing and companionship to those who, for whatever reason, get passed by. Notice that James mentions the lowest groups on the totem pole in his day and time, the orphans and the widows, the castaways, the destitute with no perceivable future. Picture this and then pause. Who is that in our day? Who is that in your classroom? Who is that in your workplace? in your family, on your team, in your neighborhood? Who are the people groups who have been pushed aside due to white privilege or theological conviction? The people that James is calling our attention to are not just down at the food bank or in foster homes, though they are there too. And I would bet the farm that you and I have passed by someone like that in the last hour without even taking the time to notice. So my tattoo is around 20 years old now. 
and over time the lines have become a little less defined. My skin has aged and some of the colors have blended in with the black. But every time I jump out of the shower and brush my teeth, there it is. There it is, my ever-present reminder of what I need to do today. To do whatever I can to look after the orphans and widows around me today. And having been involved in some form of ministry for, for more than two-thirds of my life, I can tell you this, that James is right to warn us. James is right to flash the neon lights and take out his loudspeaker. Why? Because let's be honest. Most of the time, the church has the best intentions, but it doesn't like to admit that it gets easily led into various forms of destructive distraction. It feeds on secondary issues. It loves to talk big talk, preach a good preach, and marry into an ego-boosting numbers game. It loves the spectacle. It loves to be entertained. It loves to settle for cop-outs and excuses and reasons for others to do the dirty work. It loves the luxury to be able to toss a $20 bill into a plate and say that they've made a significant contribution to the good work of the gospel. But listen, I love the fact that James is asking us for a lot here. Selflessness and sacrifice are always a lot, especially when we move from an individual effort to a crash. But here's the thing, when the church gets this part right, when the church keeps it simple, when it sticks, it sticks to its primary mission and prioritizes orphans and widows over image and money and glitz and fruitless squabbles over polity and theology, that's when the Spirit does His best work. That's when miracles occur. That's when the power of heaven is revealed. That's when lives are changed. That's when our own lives change. So let me close today by shooting straight. James tells us to actually do what the word says. He's asking you and I to bring our best selves to the way we practice our faith. So take a moment even now, take a look around you today, take notice, be aware of who is around you. What do you see? Who do you see? Who else around you is taking the time to take notice and look around? But then don't stop there. James is asking us to take another important step because when we see someone who has been rejected by the many, when we see someone who is hurting in some way, that doesn't just mean saying hi in the hallway or making a small donation to a worthy cause. It means to look after them. It means to befriend them. It means to journey with them, to include them in your own sphere, to support them, to reconcile with them. To pray for them, not just once, but as often as necessary. It means to go out of our way 
to actually bend over backwards as Jesus did to physically and practically be a part of the process of bringing someone healing, helping restore dignity, helping mend relationship, helping provide a need. It may mean joining forces with someone or a group of others like you who are following a spirit nudge to befriend and journey and include and support and pray and bend over backwards. And I'd encourage you to even look up a bit of the history on this, friends, because you want to know what one of the, the church's greatest legacies to the world has been in this regard. It's been in the endeavors to start hospitals and nonprofit organizations that feed and clothe and provide for others. Service agencies that help support both body and soul. And so if you're attending a church today that encourages you to be an active participate in looking after orphans and widows in their distress, then friends, you are living the scripture's dream. And press on. James says blowing smoke with words doesn't cut it. Just listening to the truth doesn't cut it. Doing nothing doesn't cut it. Why? Because that stuff's easy and empty and it makes little to no impact. Imagine yourself today as a part of a crash. Imagine a Christ-following religion that combines equal portions of listening and doing and making important what is truly important. So what will that mean for you today, friends? How will James's words change your schedule, realign your time, your dreams, Assemble your allegiances? How will your energies be repositioned for purposes outside of yourselves? Friends, God bless you today as you listen and as you do what he would do. Lord, give us the eyes to see. Lord, give us the heart to want to stop and listen. Lord, give us the courage to follow your spirit whispers and nudges, preferably with others who have, uh, have a similar heartbeat. Lord, free us of distraction and in your mercy, lead us in your way. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love.